0: going to get old over this next two months. It's just good. It's good stuff. You know, as followers of Jesus Christ, we are invited to a life of faith, a life where we put our trust in what God says, not what the world says. Amen. We put our faith in what God says, not even what we say. We put his word above our own opinion, ideas, Feelings, urges, appetites, and we trust in his promises. We have so much faith in those promises that when we stand against the odds and with obstacles in front of us and with opposition against us, we still say, God, I see your word. I see that promise. Give me that mountain. That's what we hold to by faith. This is what we're called to by faith. So, In this series, we're going to talk about and understand more of the promises that God has for us, because this is how he has intended us to live, where our life is built on the promises, as the old hymn used to sing, standing on the promises of God my Savior. This is what we do. This is what you and I are invited to, that kind of life. Now, several things are going to happen in this series. One, we're going to follow the man Caleb in the Bible through his life. All the way to the point where he cries out, give me that mountain. We're also going to understand the promises that God has for each of us so that we can have that same kind of faith and against whatever circumstances are going on in your life, you can still say, give me that mountain. We're also walking through something here as a church where we are claiming and clinging to a promise that God has for us to be the church, the pillar and the ground of truth, the place that the gates of hell cannot stand against, and we are believing that he will restore what has been taken by the enemy, what has been wasted away by the years. More specifically, we're in the process of reclaiming space here in these facilities that we've not had use of for many many years in fact since we came here and started vertical church so we are putting together or we have put together a program that was introduced last week in our church i'm just going to start with this this morning so that you can see we're in the middle of something we're calling restore the paths and so we believe god has called us to restore the path that he has intended for us as a church. And this path here involves restoring some of the physical facilities here at our church. Let me show you these areas. There was a, There is a card in front of you in the seat back you can pick up that can explain these areas where we're looking to rest, restore our lobby to something greater than it's ever been. So there's a much larger entry area when you come in. Some upgrades here to our worship center to make it more functional and usable. Our children's ministry upstairs. Classrooms and broadcast upstairs. The facility exterior, the church office. We're in the process of this right now. What we've asked our church, what we are all doing, is to take the next month and pray. We said 28 days from last Sunday. So we're already in the middle of that. I'm hope, I am hope you're praying already. I hope you're asking God, God, what would you have me and our family to do to help restore the paths of God's glory here at Vertical Church. Our first day of giving will be June 4th, and we'll see what God does, and we're just going to stay faithful in the process until it's all completed. That is going to happen here during this whole series. Let me just assure you, this is not the focus. This will be an example, I believe, of how God will restore the glory when we believe by faith and say, give me that mountain, the greater stories are going to come out of us. There are already stories that I cannot wait for you to hear. Within our church, where people have believed the promises of God against the odds, against the opposition, against time, and God has been faithful to keep his word. It's happening already, and I believe more of those stories are going to come out. Because this is what you and I are invited to to believe God when the situation becomes difficult or impossible amen it's then we tend to want to back up and walk away but actually that is the moment where we are called to stand strong by faith and believe the promise so today our message is called see problems i'm sorry see promises over problems You see, you and I are tempted to do just the opposite and we're going to illustrate that and see it from Scripture today so beautifully and powerfully. We are tempted to see problems over the promises and even let the problems define whether or not we will believe the promises. But it ought to be the other way around so that we are so firmly rooted in the promises, so firmly confident that God will keep his word, that we believe the promise even when the problem seems so big, seems so massive, we seem outnumbered, and we can't see how it could come to pass. So turn your Bibles this morning to Numbers 13 in the Old Testament. Numbers 13, 25 and 33. We're going to catch up. Uh, As we started last week, we looked at the end of the story. We're going to go back to the beginning now and see Caleb as he first gets word about this promise that God has. And we're going to follow him through a journey in his lifetime, over a 45-year span throughout this series. Just to give you setting again, the nation of Israel has come out of a time of bondage. They've been in Egypt as slaves, an entire nation of slaves. And they have come out of that and they are on their way to a place that God has promised them, a land that God has promised. It's not just land. It's actually a place of promise because God is elevating Israel to become the nation that shows every nation on planet Earth what it looks like to be redeemed by God and walk in his ways. God had a purpose for them. He chose them for that. And he gave them a place where they were to go do that. A land that was to be theirs. The problem was that this land had squatters in it. The land had people living in it. The land had the enemy in it. And the people were not interested in giving up their place that they had been. Like some real squatters, right? And so God tells Moses, I want you to send in some spies. I want you to go check out the land and see what it's like in there. I want you to see my promise, but I want you to see the problems so you can believe my promise against the problem. Right? Numbers 13. It says in verse 25, and they returned from spying out the land after 40 days. So Moses chose one from each of the 12 tribes. 12 men went in to spy out the land. And they came back after spending 40 days looking all around the land. They came back. Here's what it says in verse 26. Now they departed and came back to Moses and Aaron and all the congregation of the children of Israel in the wilderness in Paran of Kadesh. Now it's interesting that they are in the wilderness. When you're not living in the land that God has promised for you, you will be living in a wilderness. Until you get to the place where you enter into the promises, you'll be living in wilderness. And the wilderness is wild. The wilderness is dangerous. The wilderness has lots of risk in it. The promised land, however, it has the promise, it has risk, but when you have the promises, you can face the risk. Leave the wilderness into the promise. And here's what it says in verse 26, the second part. It says, They brought back word to them, to all the nation, and to all the congregation and showed them the fruit of the land. They looked in the promise. They said, man, this is amazing. Look at this fruit we brought back. The scripture records that they brought back grape clusters that they had to carry between two men on their shoulders. In verse 27, it says, Then they told him and said, We went into the land where you sent us, it truly flows with milk and honey. And this is its fruit. It's amazing in here. It's awesome. It's everything God said it was going to be. Verse 28. Nevertheless. In other words, however, but, you know. In other words, We saw how amazing the promise was. But, 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 and this is where most Christians get hung up. I see the promise, read the promise, heard the promise. Nevertheless, you don't know my situation. Nevertheless, you don't know where I live. Nevertheless, You don't know where I've come from. Nevertheless, you don't know what's going on in my life. When God gives a promise, he knows your situation. And his intent is to give you promise bigger than your problem so that you'll trust in him in the promise and not yourself and the problem. Now, this is going to be a stretch for every one of us. If you're starting to feel a little bit of faith tension already this morning, that's a good thing. It ought to. This ought to stretch. This ought to pull. This ought to create some tension inside you. This ought to move you out of your comfort zone. This should not be the kind of thing at the end of the day you say, that was nice. There ought to be just a little bit of discomfort going on. Your faith ought to be getting pulled a little bit already. Let's move on because they said nevertheless. In other words, I don't know. We saw some great things, but here's what the nevertheless was. The people who dwell in the land are strong. The cities are fortified, and they're very large. Moreover, we saw the descendants of Anak there. In other words, we saw giants. We saw big people, strong people. We saw people stronger than us. We saw circumstances bigger than us. We saw things that we could not take down. We saw things that were going to be destructive to us. We saw something that is just literally impossible. In other words, I know it's milk and honey land. I know it's promises. But you don't understand the circumstances. They are too much. They are too powerful and I can't see how it could ever come to pass. In other words, let's be realistic about this whole thing. Let's be more 21st century American minded about this whole thing. Let's see the promises, but let's just, let's just keep in mind some facts and figures about the whole thing. Well, here's the deal. If we're going to be concerned about facts, we're going to make sure we get all the facts on the table. Then you've got to put on the table, the promise of God as well. Sometimes you like to put all the stats and figures and numbers that show the enemy is greater than us, that the odds are against us, that the opposition is bigger than us. But if you're gonna put all those stats on the table, let's also put the promises of God on the table. These promises had been on the table for a long time. Moses didn't just make this up. Caleb didn't just get an idea one day or a funny whim. He said, this is a promise that God gave 200 plus years earlier. Abraham knew this promise. God told Abram, get out of your country from the family and your father's house to a land that I will show you. He told it to Abram. He told it to his great-grandson, Joseph. He'd repeat to Moses. You'll find it many times in the Old Testament. This was not brand new. This was not a funny little feeling that Caleb got. He was acting on promises, handed down, kept for generations, believed for over 200 years. This is our land. Before you look at your problems, you've got to look at the promises. He goes on. It says, the Amalekites dwell in the land of the south. The Hittites, the Jebusites, and the Amorites, they dwell in the mountains. And the Canaanites They dwell by the sea and along the banks of the Jordan. They're everywhere. They're in the highlands, the lowlands, the sea lands. They're everywhere. There's no place for us. This isn't going to work out. Something must be wrong here. God surely messed up. Surely you can't believe those promises. They're organized. They're deep-rooted. They're bigger than us. They can't be defeated. And before we get to feeling pretty good about ourselves not being like that, let's remind ourselves of some things because God gives promises to us today. And it's easy at times to say, hey, all that stuff on Sunday and Bible and all that's really cool, but have you seen my financial issue? Have you seen what I'm in? That, that's all really cool, but have you seen the addiction I deal with? That's awesome, those whole promises, but do you know my anxiety? Do you know my depression? Do you know my broken family situation? Those are awesome stuff that they're talking about. And I can amen all that stuff at church, but have you seen the generational sin patterns that have come down to me? That's, that's cool, but have you seen my past... Have you seen my sin? Do you know my circumstances? Do you know the kind of opposition I'm up against? Do you know that there's an entire culture that's against us today? Don't you understand that the enemy is calculating and he devours children? He devours people. Don't you understand that the entire system of the world today is engineered against us? How can you believe promises against, against all of those odds? How can you believe God's promises against all of that? This is where we stand today. And it gets very real with our own homes and our own lives because every one of us have a little list you can come up with to say, that's all cool what you're talking about. That's nice what the Bible talks about. I see the promises. I see the land. I see how beautiful all of that is. That's great for some people, but it would never work for me. Wrong. That is putting your problems ahead of a promise. Amen? God calls us to put the promise ahead of the problems. And one man is about to break rank with all the others who have come back with their negative report, with their downward spiral of defeat, wallowing in their inabilities. One man is about to break rank with all of that and say something. Here's what it says in the next verse. Verse 30. Then Caleb quieted the people before Moses... In other words, they're giving their negative report. The other 10, because there's going to be one man, Joshua, who's going to side with Caleb. The other 10 are giving their report, and it's starting to spread. Negative news is spreading fast, as it always does. And they're on the negative news network here, proclaiming all of it. And in that moment, it says that Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said, Let us go up at once and take possession for we are well able to overcome it. Man, every word of what Caleb says is important. The first thing Caleb did is he quieted the people. Let's talk about a few things here that are necessary for us if we want to have a spirit of faith. Here's the first thing. If you want to have a spirit of faith, you have to silence the voices of unbelief. It's gonna start happening in your life, in this series, if it hasn't already. You're gonna hear some promises that God has for you specifically, not the one next to you, but you, and you're gonna be tempted to start listening to a lot of other voices that are going off inside your head in that moment. I'm not saying you're possessed by whatever. I'm saying that every one of us have conversations that start in our heads. The minute, we hear, the minute we hear promises from God, we start saying things like, yeah, but you just don't know my situation. Yeah, but you, you don't know the situation I'm walking in. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what I've done. All of that is a conversation that's happened. And Caleb had to silence the crowd because they were speaking negatively about the promises of God. And that's what you and I have to do. You have to silence the voices of unbelief. You might have a conversation with them. They might start telling you, that's ridiculous, that's not going to work, that'll never happen, you can't trust God, you've got something else that's going to happen to you, you can't believe that. That's where you just have to say, hold it, stop. For me, I sometimes have to say that out loud. Stop. Stop believing that. Stop saying that. Stop going down that path. Stop going down that dead end. The voices of unbelief. And Caleb, silence the crowd. He silenced the unbelief in that moment. But he didn't just silence everybody else. He spoke. And this is what a spirit of faith does. It speaks truth out loud. The passage tells us that Caleb quieted the people before Moses and said. He said something. He had something to say. It's very tempting in our day, in this time, to just want to Be the one who's silent, who thinks, I'm just going to keep my words to myself. Look here. It is imperative that you speak the promises of God over your own heart, that you say it to yourself, that you believe what God has said is true. It's important to say that. It's important to say that for your own thoughts. It's important to say that for the voices of the enemy that are trying to infiltrate your mind. It's important to say that in your home. It's important to say that in your conversation because when you speak faith, then everybody gets to hear it. You get to say out loud what you believe in here. And this is how faith is completed. You say what you believe. Amen? And Caleb does this. Caleb says it out loud. He's not afraid. He's not ashamed. He speaks the truth out loud. But here's also what faith does. Faith speaks promises over problems. Caleb was able to say, we are well able to overcome it. We can go in. God keeps his promises. He put promise Ahead of the problem, this is what we do in faith. When you when you came to that day in your own life where you recognized I am a sinner, I have guilt, I'm destined to hell, that became your problem, right? But by faith, you believed that Jesus died for you, and you believed that by grace from heaven and your faith responding you can be saved and you chose to believe that promise you put a promise ahead of the problem amen this is not a new process this is how you come to faith to begin with next week we're going to be baptizing too right here it will be evidence of them putting promise ahead of a problem Trusting in the word that says, if you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. That's promise over the problem. Whenever you and I make a mess of our life, even after we come to Christ, we know that's my problem. But we believe in a promise that says, I have been made a new person in Jesus Christ." And he forgives my sin, and he is in the process of conforming me to the image of Jesus Christ. I believe in a promise. Promise over the problem. When I get into a situation where I know that the world is against me, when I feel outnumbered, when I feel small, that's the problem. But I believe a promise that says, Greater is he that is in me than is he that is in the world. Right? Right? I believe in promise over the problem. Are you with me so far? This is a concept you and I understand, but I want to illustrate it this morning. So to do that, I'm going to need some volunteers. I need three adult volunteers. So who's brave enough to come join me on stage for an illustration this morning? All right, I got one. I got two. Sorry. Who else? Oh, yeah, come on, Sway. Perfect, 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 perfect. So... Oh, yeah! Just need. Sorry, three. All right, Sway. I'm not typecasting you here, but <laughs> <laughs> it's good. All right, all right. So uh, let's do this. You get to be Bible guy, and Pete. Pete gets to hold a microphone. You're going to have to talk here. All right, let's do this. This is going to be awesome. All right, so Sway, why don't you uh, step up on this level here? Perfect. All right, Jonathan, you come stand over here. And you'll look forward. All right, perfect. Hold it up facing Pete. Pete, back up just a little bit. Pete, this is life. Go ahead and face this way, Sway. Perfect. This is the way God has intended you to see life. Hold the Bible out to the side there just a little bit. Yeah, perfect. This is how God intends you to live life, to look at your problems through the lens of God's promises. This is the way it's meant to be. But sometimes we get it all out of whack. So Jonathan, why don't you scoot back, sway, step up. Oh, now this is usually what happens right here, right? Because see, when problems become real big to us, where, where did it even go? No, 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 you're good, you're good, you're good. When you get problems in front of you, what happens to the promise back there? It disappeared. Oh, Pete's such a good public speaker. Isn't that awesome? <laughs> Come on, Pete. He didn't even know. I was going to do this this morning. It gets tough like this, and the more you focus on the problems, they just get bigger and bigger. Oh, oh man. Oh, this is bad. <laughs> it's bad. Where'd the promise go? Man, I don't know, but I need it back. <laughs> Yes, it gets, the, the closer this gets, the, oh, this is too much. It's man. too much. You can't see anything. You can't even see the promise anymore. Come on, <laughs> This is what happens, though. The more you focus on your problems, the less you see of the promise. But here's what's meant to happen. Okay, Sway. See you later, problem. <laughs> yeah. There you go. All right, hold it out there. All right. Yeah, no, you're good right there. This is the way it's supposed to be. Now, you can see the promises, right, Pete? Amen. Can you still see your problems? Uh, they're way back there now. Okay, they're further yeah. back, but in reality, I mean... I can still see them. They're yeah. still there. But they're way back there now. Yeah, they still look kind of big, even though they're far away. Yeah. You know what happens? You know what you need to do when that happens? You need to bring the promises a little closer. Come on. Oh, okay, this is getting better now. What's happening now, Pete? I see all the promises, and the problems are getting smaller. Yes. What if you brought those promises even closer? Now that's all I see. Ooh. Problems are gone. Ooh, he said it. I didn't coach him for that. He just did it. This is how you and I are meant to live. This is so challenging for us, but this is where we are meant to live. I know you're saying, but that's hard. I told you it was going to stretch you this morning. I like this, it, too. Yes. This is where the challenge is for you and I. Because everybody's got this. <laughs> Come on, Jonathan. You're doing good. But this is how you and I are meant to live. Because now when you see this, the minute he has to step out and just glance over there, oh, he knows what to do. Right because he's looking at the promises. The sad thing is, Christians usually do this kind of deal. Let me take it for a second. They do this, and then they do this. Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. That doesn't help, does it? This is how you and I are meant to live. Promises right up close. Trusting in them. Knowing him, believing against the odds, against the opposition, against whatever circumstances may be out there, I trust in the promises. Give these guys a hand. Way to go! Perfect. Yeah, I'll take your problems. That's good. Yeah, thank you, Pete. That's good. This is what Caleb was doing in the story. This is how you and I were meant to live, trusting promises over. Problems. So now reach into the seat in front of you there, the little seat back in front of you. There's a card that says, Give me that mountain like this. Reach into that seat back, pull that out. Nine promises to stand on with confidence. The Bible is filled with what it describes as exceedingly great and precious promises that through them we may escape the corruption and lust that are in this world. These are just a sprinkling of some promises. For example, as I talked about, salvation. For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest anyone should boast. That is a promise. The next time you sin, and after that moment, you wonder, man, what have I done? Does that, am I even really saved? Does God still love me? You go back to a promise. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. Did you believe in Jesus Christ? Did you trust him by faith? Yes, you're saved. It's not a, of yourself. It's not of your works. If you didn't get it by works, you can't lose it by some wrong works. You keep it by faith in him. It's a promise. We cling to that. Promise. Promise. We are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. You have a purpose. God intends for you to walk in his ways. God intends for you to do good works in your life. Not to try to get to heaven but because you've already got your ticket to heaven in Jesus. This is your purpose. You claim that promise and you walk in that. Your identity. This is a promise. And you who once were alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now he has reconciled in the body of his flesh through death to present you holy and blameless and above reproach in his sight. I don't feel so holy. I don't I don't just really have that sense in my life. I don't know. I mean, I've done so much. I just don't feel really close. Ho- don't believe in your feelings and your urges and appetites. You trust in a promise. If he says he has... Declared you holy, blameless, and above reproach in his sight. Stand in that. Don't base your, dis- your ability to stand in that based on your track record. Based on Jesus' track record is where the promise is. Direction. God, I'm looking for direction in my life. I really need you to reveal what I'm supposed to do next. Great. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your paths. Promise. It's a promise. Hold to the promise. I don't care what the prospect is. I don't care what the problem is. I don't care what the odds are. I don't care what the opposition is. You stand in the promise, even for marriage. say, well, my marriage is really not all that great right now. I mean, really struggling. Things are not going well. Look here. For this reason, a man shall leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. Then two shall become one flesh. This is a great mystery, but I speak concerning Christ and the church. You know what God's will is for your marriage? that you look like Jesus and the church in it. You cling to that promise, you hold to that promise, and you walk in that promise. He loves to see those who will cling to a promise against the odds, against the opposition, and trust him for children. Well, but you don't know my children. You don't know what circumstances I've been through. You don't know what they're going through. Psalm 128, blessed is everyone who fears the Lord, who walks in his ways. When you eat the labor of your hands, you shall be happy, and it shall be well with you. Your wife shall be like a fruitful vine in the very heart of your house, and your children shall uh, be like olive plants all around your table. Start claiming some promises. Stop looking at the circumstances. Stop looking at the opposition. Stop looking at the odds. Stop looking at all that stuff. Claim some promises and watch God work. What about my finances, though? I mean, have you seen my finances? Have you seen the credit card bills that are coming? Have you seen what I'm up against? Honor the Lord with your possessions and the first fruit of all your increase, so your barns will be filled with plenty and your vats will overflow with new wine. I can't tell you the number of stories I've heard from believers and Heather and I have experienced our own life. When we choose to honor God and believe the promise first, he will provide and protect his own, even financially, even the church. Well, these are hard days for the church, though. They're just, man, the church is really facing a lot of opposition today. Look, I don't care what the opposition is out there because I know the promise that comes down from there. On this rock, I will build my church, Jesus said, and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. He's gonna keep his promise. We are his bride, we are his body. You think he's gonna turn away from himself? No, he can't. I trust a promise and not the problem. Even when it comes to prayer, you say, well, I've prayed a lot of things they haven't come to pass yet. Jesus said, therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. God's calling us to trust in promises, not our problems. It doesn't matter if it's taken 10 days, 10 months, 10 years. You're gonna hear some stories here over the next weeks at Vertical that are gonna floor you. People that have chosen to believe a promise and walk in that promise, even when it took two Three, four, five, eight, 10, 12, keep going, years. God kept his word. This is what we have to do to have a spirit of faith. You have to believe promises over problems. But what I love most about what Caleb did, he said, we are well able to enter the land and overcome Look at the last word in the verse there. The last word that Caleb says, we are well over to overcome it. That's interesting. Caleb had been in the land. He saw the promises. He saw the opposition. But Caleb didn't come back saying, they've got fortified cities. They've got massive armies. They've got people in every region of the the land. They outnumber us. They're giants there. Caleb didn't say any of that because Caleb knew the power of words. And whatever you call something, you give it that power. If you call something a giant, you're calling yourself a pipsqueak. If you're calling them strategic, you're calling yourself a mess. If you call them massive, you're calling them, you're calling yourself small. You're calling the promises of God small. So Caleb says, we are well able to overcome it. He called all of that it. He put it all into perspective. That stuff is just an it. And God is bigger than that it. And he's given us the power to stand against the it. Amen? Amen? Hey, That's where faith is, and this is what the spirit of faith does. Now, the passage goes on, and we're going to see now the other 10 talk some more. Because those with a spirit of fear don't always like it when somebody with a spirit of faith stands up. The minute you start speaking truth, there's going to be 10 against you. And that's what's going to happen here. 31. But the men who had gone up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people for they are stronger than we. Whining added by me, right? <laughs> this is a complaint here. This is, this is him saying, I looked at the situation. Yes, there's a promise, but the problem is bigger than the promise. We cannot go up against them. They are stronger than we. They just gave them all the authority in the situation. This is what a spirit of fear does. A spirit of fear evaluates the problem. I'm sorry. Evaluates the promise based on the problem. Well, I've seen that verse in the Bible, but... I've seen that verse in the Bible, nevertheless... I mean, those are possibilities, I guess. But claiming that as a promise, I just don't know about that. That just is bigger than what I can understand. Oh, really? So your understanding is now the filter for all things. Your logic, your reason, is what you're going to use to figure out whether you can follow God or not. Mm. Now we reveal the situation with 21st century American mindset. We want to figure it all out. We want it to make rational sense to us first instead of claiming a promise and walking in it. When you start looking at promises based on your problems, then you'll start saying things like, well, but, you know, what if? I mean, what if this happens? What if that happens? What if this? What if that? You start being consumed with what ifs. You'll start second guessing yourself. Oh, I don't know. Maybe I maybe I didn't make the right decision. Maybe I should, I don't I don't know. Was that the right thing? I don't know. That's using a problem to define the promise. You stop you stop taking steps of faith. All of us ought to have some places in our life that just look a little concerning to folks around us. <laughs> there ought to be some places that people say, "No, tell me about this what you're doing because that just doesn't fit the mold." I mean, you're what, how do you believe that? What, what is this that you're doing here? Tell me why you believe this. Yes. This is what the New Testament was filled with. That's why they say be ready to give an answer for the, when they ask what is the hope within you because there's stuff that we're believing and holding to that other people think that's ridiculous. But this is what the spirit of fear does. The spirit of fear looks at the promise and says, ah, let me look at it through my problem. Because all that stuff about miraculous and all that stuff about, you know, God doing the impossible, all that just seems a little bit outrageous. If that's where you are, you're in the company with great minds like Thomas Jefferson. Thomas Jefferson was a brilliant man. Thomas Jefferson did a lot for our nation. But Thomas Jefferson also did something interesting. He loved, The stories about Jesus. He loved the stories of Jesus' teaching and how Jesus was able to uh, help so many people. He loved the stories about Jesus' leadership style. But what Thomas Jefferson could not get into his own head and heart were the miracles that Jesus performed. Thomas Jefferson had a hard time with the miraculous, Thomas Jefferson had a hard time with the things that were seeming impossibilities. So Thomas Jefferson did this, recorded in history. He took a blade, a very sharp blade, to his Bible, and he began to carefully and surgically remove all of the stories that dealt with miracles. He surgically removed every one of them from the New Testament that dealt with the impossible being overcome with the miraculous happening. What he was left with, he called the Thomas Jefferson Bible. He was left with 81 pages only of the New Testament of what he could process. You don't believe me? Go look it up. It's out there. It really happened. And sadly, it's a a lot like how a lot of people live today, even within the church. They're willing to believe the nice things about Jesus. They're willing to believe the logical things about Jesus. But this stuff about you know, water to wine and raising the dead and healing the sick and the impossible becoming possible. All that stuff just seems a little bit too far reaching. And he gets up too close into my very messy life, and you don't know what I got going on. So they just surgically remove all of those elements and they completely gut themselves of real faith. And they choose to live by fear. The passage goes on, it says, and they gave the children of Israel a bad report of the land which they had spied out. Hmm. The spirit of fear doesn't like to sit alone. The spirit of fear likes to broadcast to everybody else what they think. The spirit of fear spreads fear So they won't have to be alone in their unbelief. Mm. They like to discount what the person of faith is saying. They want to contradict. They want to point out why it won't work. That is the spirit of fear. The story goes on and it says, here's what they were saying. The land through which we have gone as spies is a land that devours its inhabitants. And all the people whom we saw in it are men of great stature. When you call all the other people men of great stature, what are you calling yourselves? People of small stature. He says, there we saw the giants from the descendants of Anak came from the giants And we were like grasshoppers in our own sight. And so we were in their sight. When you don't have a spirit of faith to believe the impossible, you will see yourself as nothing more than a pest, a pest before God, a pest in this life, Weak, powerless, just trying to get by. The spirit of faith sees like that. This is not the day for us as people of God to live seeing ourselves as grasshoppers. This is not the day for the people of God to trust in our anxieties and our fears. And our doubts and our uncertainties. This is not the day to hide and withdraw. This is not the day to shrink in your own heart about your life. This is the day to grab a hold of a promise of God against the odds, against the opposition, and choose to believe it no matter how long it might take for that promise to become a reality. Because that kind of faith clings to God desperately. And it does it in face of difficulty, resistance, and impossibility. It's a kind of faith that says, let God be true and every other man a liar. I will believe the promises of God. So my prayer for us as a church is that individually in our families, Individually, as one another, we would find the promises that God has given to us. Oh, they're given to us collectively, but because every one of our circumstances are different, a promise hits different for each one of us. And choose to live by that promise. Don't live by the problem. Don't live by the problems in your life. Live by the promises. For God loves And he's drawn to those who have that kind of faith. He's looking for those who will say, God, I see your promise. Oh, I see the problem, but I see your promise. And God, give me that mountain, that promise for my life because you have declared it to be true. Amen? Would you bow your heads with me? Father, today I am well aware that in each of our lives we are faced with the realities of life. We rub shoulders with the difficulties every day. In each of our families, there are situations that are seemingly impossible. In our own personal life, in our own mind, in our own heart, there are areas that you have so much more for us. And we are the ones who have little faith sometimes to believe. God, I'm asking you to open the eyes of our heart, the eyes of our understanding, to believe promises greater than our problem today, to trust you for things that are bigger than what we can even comprehend today, because you are the kind of God who keeps his promises. And I pray faith would rise up within our church to believe those promises and that stories would just begin to multiply because you keep your word to your people. So we are trusting you, God. We're believing you. And by faith this week, we will keep your promise over whatever problem comes our way. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.